This is Iron Sports, and we're so lucky today to have Dan Pompey, uh, writer for The Athletic. He's one of the 49 members of the Hall of Fame Selection Committee, but the reason we're having him on is that he wrote the book called The Football 100, which is the list of the 100 best football players of all time, which, of course, is subject to tremendous debate. Dan, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. Hey, it's good to be with you, Ira. I'm sure that uh, we'll have a lot of disagreements today, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this book. The thing about the book, and why I encourage people to read this book, is it's not just you. I love the book of lists. I love lists. I'm obsessed with lists. But it's not just you just listed them, but the backgrounds and the writing that you did for each of the players, um, I thought was pretty cool. You picked up a story. So it's like a few pages on each one. So it was really like a great read where you can pick up some tidbits from the players or maybe one game or one instance that crystallizes their entire career. So I really like the book aspect besides just the, the list also. Yeah, you know, I think there's really a lot of good information in there. And, and the profiles were written by different writers. Um, I think I wrote about 20 of them. Mike Sander wrote a bunch of them. And, and then a bunch of other writers for The Athletic chipped in. And we kind of took different styles and different ways of looking at some of the all-time greats. And uh, I think it's a pretty entertaining read, uh, even if you don't agree with the order or the players that we have on there. You know, that's the, the beauty of a project like this is there really isn't a correct 100 or a correct order, or even a correct number one. I mean, you can debate just about everything. And even, you know, in my case, I, after we put the list together, which was a group project, it wasn't just, just my list. Um, you know, even, after it was done, you look at it and you say, what was I thinking? <laughs> why, was it, why wasn't this guy hired? Or why, why is this guy left off? So there's, uh, that's the beauty of it. There's a lot of room for second-guessing and, and debate. So there's 20, you said about 27,000 people have played an NFL Bowl game. 2,700 went to the Pro Bowl. Uh, 1,200 first-team All-Pros. And there's 320 in the Hall of Fame. To, set, to separate it down to, if there's 320 in the Hall of Fame, only the top 100. If you're not in this, it's not like you're a terrible player. You're still wearing that gold jacket, and you're still a great player. Yeah, I mean, the, the hardest part about putting this list together is deciding who gets cut. Because you're just cutting guys who, you know, had massive impacts on the NFL, huge footprints. You know, Troy Aikman did not make the list, three-time Super Bowl winner. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald did not make the list, number two leading receiver of all time. Uh, you know, I, I could go on and on with, with guys that you say, well, how is he not on the list? Uh, Thurman Thomas not on the list. Jim Kelly not on the list from the Buffalo Bills teams that won, or I should say went to four Super Bowls. Um, you know, and I, I think the other thing is there's a, uh, a tendency to kind of have recency bias and talk about players who are current players or players who played in recent eras that we are most familiar with and gloss over players who played in, in long ago eras that we've really never seen and really didn't have the kinds of exposure that today's players do. And then also, besides the airs, which was hard to analyze, it's positions. Like in basketball, we can say, oh, that's a center and that's a guard and there's issues. But they do play offensive defense or on the court together, all those things. But because of the different positions, you know, as you said in the book, I think you would put like the quarterback's position is so important. We could have probably 100, the top 100 would be quarterbacks. But you only had, you have to be in a word, you put the center and the guards and the tackles, the defensive players. That was challenging, too, also because there's so many different positions in football. Well, we've got more quarterbacks on our top 100 than any other position. 
which probably indicates another bias. We've got 19 out of 100 are quarterbacks. Uh, we've only got five tight ends, uh, which is interesting. Tight end, though, um, it's a little different because it really didn't become a posi- position until the 1960s. Mike Ditka was the first tight end. He's on our list. Uh, Travis Kelsey, however, is not. So you could throw some darts at us for that one. Um, you know, if, if maybe in another couple of years, there'd be no question about Kelsey. But, um, you know, safeties, we, we don't have a lot of safeties on the list. So, and you, you mentioned the offensive line. It's another position, too. We've, we've got only 14 offensive linemen total, uh, even though, you know, you're talking about five starters on every team as opposed to quarterbacks. You're talking about one. And then you have the debate between the short careers and the long careers. Gail Sayers played 68 games, which is 158 fewer than Emmett Smith. And, and then you have the idea of like Terrell Davis, you know, these players that play great for a few number of years, but because of injuries, because they're violent sport, uh, their careers were cut short. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I, I think Gail Sayers was an interesting study that we initially had him a little lower on our list, ended up moving him up to 46. I would have liked to have seen him even higher even though he did have the short career. And the other factor with the career length that can't be ignored is that players who played in the 40s and 50s uh, typically did not play really long like some of the players. You know, no one played Tom Brady career, <laughs> obviously. But um, those guys... Oftentimes they quit because they weren't making enough money or they, you know, they, they had another career they wanted to get to, or they, you know, they were working a side job and they ended up uh, becoming uh, full-time at that job and quitting in the NFL. So even though they were great players and, you know, players who were winning championships, uh, they typically did not play as long as the players of today. And then the other issue is the current, I love this current players. You had Aaron Rodgers at 21, Aaron Donald at 26, Julio Jones, we'll get to in a second, at 56, and Patrick Mahomes at 98. So it, it, you're, in, for some of these players, of course, in Rodgers and Mahomes, they can actually have, and maybe Donald too, could actually improve and go up further in this list as time goes on. No question. And, you know, we originally put together this list before the Chiefs had won their second Super Bowl, and Mahomes was not on it. And then he won the second Super Bowl. Now he's, you know, he's been in the league uh, I think it was five years at the time, and he'd won two Super Bowls. He, he, he lost a third. We said, boy, we got to put him on. I mean, the thing you don't want to do is try to project what a player is going to do in the future because you just never know. I mean, you know, it, it's possible Patrick Mahomes ends up with a career like Tom Brady's. It's possible that, you know, he never wins another Super Bowl and ends up kind of or getting injured. Who knows what could happen? But um, you, you have to kind of look at what they've done up to that point. And uh, that's that's how we tried to do it uh, as best we could. And then I like you do at the end of the book, you do say, well, Miles Garrett uh, could be in there and Tyreek Hill, T.J. Watt. And of course, both Kelsey brothers. Um, I, I can't believe Travis Kelsey's not in there. I mean, that's that was an I mean, Travis Kelsey stops playing today. I think he's he's in. And so Taylor Swift would also agree with it. I think that comment. But. <laughs> well, you know, you could there are people who would make the argument that he's already the most, uh, the the best tight end of all time. I wouldn't make that argument. Um, you know, I think it's premature to say that, but you know, Hey, he's, I think if he retired today, he'd definitely be a hall of famer. So it's, it's not a crazy uh, statement uh, to say that, 
you know, he should have been in the top 100. Now, the number one question I got just walking in here, attacked by my staff here is, you know, who's number one? And it's Brady, as, as I think I would be shocked if it was anyone else but Brady. But where do you think, and I, and I say this about the LeBron-Jordan debate, is that LeBron's problem was that he had Jordan. Brady didn't have, Montana was great, and these other players, Jim Brown, whatever, but it seemed like there, Brady did not have a Jordan to pass. And and Tiger, you know, Tiger has to go against Jack Nicklaus. He, that, it's sometimes that top player, and I think that's one thing that helped Brady. But when did you think that Brady... Just this was sort of this, you know, just an agreement that, yeah, he's the best. Well, I think, it, you know, it's kind of a slow realization, but when it became undeniable to me is when he went to the Tampa Bay Bucks and lifted that organization to a Super Bowl, uh, winning his seventh and putting him in just really elite air, you know, as, as one of a kind. I mean, uh, you know, passing Michael Jordan in championships even, right? So uh, he, um, you know, to do it with the Patriots and, and with Bill Belichick, who's often considered the greatest head coach of all time, uh, you know, that was one thing in one place for so long. But then to move teams and, you know, you could even say, well, look what happened to the Patriots without him too. And then your number two was Jim Brown. And, and I love watching the old films of Jim Brown. I wish Jim Brown was running now. We could see him on TV because I think it, as time passes and people, as I said, I never watched him play a game. Um, people, It's great that you made him number two because, again, growing up, I kept hearing Jim Brown, Jim Brown, Jim Brown, because for you know 10 years he averaged 104 yards a game, was the considered the best player before Brady. So talk a little about Jim Brown's effect. Well, he's another short career guy, too. Played only nine seasons and, you know, walked away to become an actor. So um, if he would have continued to play, who knows what he could have done. But you talk about a dominant runner who just couldn't be stopped. I mean, uh, I think he led the league in rushing eight out of his nine years or something crazy like that. He was, you know, uh, a league MVP. I mean, Jim Brown was unstoppable. He, um, and, I, and I will tell you this too, we, again, this was a process, this list, how we put it together. And on our initial list, uh, we had done it before Brady had won his seventh championship with the Bucks. So we actually had Brown won Brady too. But then when Brady won that last championship, there was no denying that he had to be number one. I love the comment in the book. You said when people said, we uh, went up to Brown and said, you're crazy for retiring. He goes, I'd rather be doing a love scene with Raquel Welch than being tackled by Sam Huff <laughs> on a cold field in mud. <laughs> so because that, I thought that was a great line, but, uh, so then you yeah, have, you have, we all his, agree with that one, right? <laughs> I don't think it's hard to debate that, but then you, uh, then you talked about Jerry Rice at number three. And, and again, that's the player I watched and, uh, just an amazing, you had the good stories about how Bill Walsh saw him at college at Mississippi Valley state and said, I have to draft him, moved up in the draft to get him. But just the dominance that Rice had year in and year out. Now he had Montana as his quarterback, but for the first, some of the years, but, and then young, but, but just the greatness of Jerry Rice. Yeah. You know, he, he was just truly special in so many ways. And uh, in addition to being just dominant as a wide receiver, he, he did it for a length of time that was incredible and did it with two quarterbacks, you know, obviously two Hall of Fame quarterbacks who are also both on our list, uh, but helped make them what they were too. And, you know, he was also fortunate to play for Bill Walsh, who's an incredible coach and, 
you know, part of a part of a dynasty in, in San Francisco, but a truly great player. And, you know, I think uh, the, the young people probably won't agree with this, but we have Don Hudson at number 13, who played in the 1940s for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, Hudson was arguably more dominant than Jerry Rice during his career. And you could, you could even make the argument that, you know, Hudson should have been above Rice uh, because he was that good. But people don't remember it anymore because he played so long ago and so few people are around who even saw him play. Well, some a player that people had seen has number four. Your first defensive player was Lawrence Taylor. And if they, if I've seen some of these where they put the TikToks and Instagrams together of like you know thirty or forty seconds of Lawrence Taylor's best plays, and there's no, you, no one would have a better highlight reel than Lawrence Taylor. But it's not just the highlights, just his overall dominance of the game. And you talk about scheming away from a player when we see the T.J. Watts that are playing today, and even the Miles Garrett. There was nothing like Lawrence Taylor in terms of his effect on the game. And plus, he had you know you had someone like Bill Bar- Parcells, Bill Belichick. And you had a great quote from Belichick in the book where they were trying to compare, like, I think Khalil Mack, you know, is he in Taylor's class? And he and, and Belichick, who doesn't really get platitudes out a lot, said, there's only, Taylor is in his own class. There's no one else in his class. Yeah, you know, he, um, you talk about a guy who just, uh, when he wanted to, he really couldn't be blocked. And he, uh, he would line up uh, on that edge there and just, create havoc for whoever they played and big reason why the Giants won a couple Super Bowls and were great contenders during that period in the 1980s. Um, he uh, a truly, truly special player and our top defensive rated player. Um, you know, I think we got some other really good ones in that top 10 and Reggie White is, is number five and uh, Dick, Dick Buckus number 10. Again, a player from a different era, but uh, certainly should not be overlooked. Probably could have been ranked higher. Just jumping to the defensive players on, for a second, White was five, and then you had Buckus at ten, and then you had, and then what I was. I thought Joe Green was better than Reggie White. Now I'm biased. I'm a Steeler fan, but and you did emphasize in the book of like of all the Steelers who are in the in the Hall of Fame and all there's I think 29 Hall of Famers. He's the, considered the greatest, and he was the one who started the whole thing, and it was excellent. And they actually have a school. The, you no, know, they t- named the nickname of the school North Texas after him, the Mean Green. But I thought Green was better than White, but maybe a little bias there. I think you can make that argument. You know, uh, what's interesting is that we've got. Uh, I believe one, two, three, four, five, six Steelers from the, those Steel Curtain teams are in our top 100. So he, uh, you know, while, while he was probably the greatest of, of all of them, you know, again, he was he was on a great dynasty with a great coach. The thing about Reggie White that I'll always remember is that you know he was this incredible player with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then he goes to the Green Bay Packers, and he makes them a Super Bowl winner, or helps make them a Super Bowl winner, of course, with Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren and some other great players. But, um, you know, he, he was really able to lift another franchise, which is special. 
it's hard. The offensive line position is, as you said, mentioned, there's so fewer in your top 100. It's hard to say who's the best. And you did put Munoz at 12 from the Bengals. People might remember him. Went to USC, was phenomenal, 11-time All-Pro. But talk about, I mean, guess the difficulty of ranking these offensive linemen and, and what, what separated Munoz from the other offensive linemen, for, I think, for you to have him as the top offensive lineman. Well, the thing about offensive linemen, obviously, there's no statistics. And it's difficult to judge uh, one against the other because, you know, the only thing you could look at is, uh, you know, do they pass the eye test and what do people say about them and what kind of honors do they have? Um, You know, you know, the guy that the guy, the people who put this book together saw play and, you know, he he was just dominant in any way you you could think of. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, we are probably, most of us were too young to see, for instance, uh, Jim Parker at his peak. But he was a guy who could have been ranked higher. Again, you know, maybe it's recency bias. Uh, Forrest Gregg had been considered the greatest uh, tackle for a long time, too. He got him at 36. You know, maybe he, he could have, should have been ranked higher. Uh, we did have John Hanna at 27, the great Patriots guard. Um, so, you know, it's hard though with the offensive lineman. It really is because, you know, how, how great is great and who's greater than who it's, you you could get into a lot of debates that way. I liked one of the, the, the people in the my production room were they were in retreat by this. You had Ronnie Lott at 19, the great San Francisco 49er player, and then you had Dion, who everybody now knows, <laughs> coming back to a 22, and the question is they sort of agreed. They go, Lott was a better tackler, cover, all those things, and then even though they went, one played safety, other played corner, but you had Lott at 19 and, and uh, Sanders at 22. Yeah, you know, I, I think... Uh... I don't think many people would argue with that, although uh, Dion was a great playmaker who impacted games, you know, with with big plays, right? Not only on defense, but special teams as well. So he gave you a, a dimension that, you know, really lit up teams. And, you know, you, you talk about uh, what he did for the 49ers then what he did for the Cowboys. Of course, started off with the Falcons, but um, and then bounced around a little after that. But... He had a great impact on his team. So uh, 22 is, is not too shabby. <laughs> we're not diminishing him at all. And we're going to switch to the quarterbacks a little bit. I agree with you on Peyton Manning at seven. I think people talk about, first of all, they said, well, the second Super Bowl really wasn't his. I felt like he led that team in Denver. I think what he did was to win the Super Bowl. So it counts. We so did get the two Super Bowls. He was tremendous. So I, I, you put him behind Montana at seven. Montana was six, Manning at seven, and United's at nine. I think old-timers would have United's ahead of Manning. So I think that would be one of the debates. And then you had Otto Graham at 11, who won, people don't remember, in the 50s, won, ten, was it, what, 10 championships? What, 10 championships in 10 years, and he won seven of those. Uh, but that was like, and then Elway at 15 and Marino at 18. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, you wonder with Peyton if he had not played in the same era as Tom Brady, uh, how many championships he would have won, right? Uh, and, and then the other interesting one to me is Dan Marino at 18, who might have been the greatest passer of all time, really. You know, he could have been higher than 18, without a doubt. Uh, Otto Graham, you mentioned him. Certainly, he could have been higher. I think there was a long period of time when he was considered the greatest uh, quarterback of all time. And then the other one that was interesting was was, uh, Sammy Baugh. Uh, We had him, let's see, 25, 
And, uh, you know, there, there was a long period of time when Sammy was considered the greatest passing quarterback that ever happened. Now, he it was a completely different time when, you know, the quarterback was the size of a, uh, a watermelon or something, you know. And, <laughs> but, but he was doing things with it that no one else had ever done. And then I guess, I mean, one of the big debates would be Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers at 21, ahead of Farb at 24, Drew Brees at 43, but then like the guys like Young and Starr and Bradshaw, Staubach and Tarkington, you had Rodgers way up there. And I think people would say, wait, well, Troy Aikman's like, wait a second, like I've won three Super Bowls and Rodgers and I played in semi, you know, after the year, but people still remember Troy. How's Troy now in the top 100 and Rodgers at 21? Yeah, good question. You know, I think... Uh... One of the things that I tried to do when I thought about these rankings was say, all right, if you took this player and you switched them with that player and, you know, they were on each other's teams, you know, would they have won more? If if you put Aaron Rodgers on the Cowboys of the 1990s, would he have won three Super Bowls? Would would he have won four Super Bowls? Would he have won five? You know, I think – I think those are questions that kind of help guide you. And, you know, if you look at, obviously, Aaron didn't win as many Super Bowls as Troy, but uh, he clearly was, you know, a wonderful passer who did some things with the football that very few others had, had done. And, you know, if, if uh, you know, maybe the, if he had better players around him, you know, we, this wouldn't be a debate at all. Yeah, but I think the seven. I think you shortchanged a little the seventies quarterbacks. I mean, Bradshaw was at was at seventy, <laughs> and uh, uh, Staubach at seventy nine, and Tarkington at hundred. I mean, these are players I grew up when I was real little, so maybe I think they're greater than they were. But I feel like Staubach and Bradshaw and Tarkington should have been a little moved up there rather than be back. I mean, it's not wrong to be back at the hundred, and they're ahead of Kelly, who doesn't even make it, and Troy and Kurt Warner. But the fact is, I I like those. I mean, I felt like those three from growing up. Those to me, the Bradshaw and Staubach, the great Super Bowl battles they had that they should be a little higher and Bradshaw winning four. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, Bradshaw again, played with a great team though. Right. I mean, not, not to diminish what he did. He's a hall of famer. He's a top 100 player, but, uh, you know, he had two hall of fame wide receivers, hall of fame coach, hall of fame running back, hall of fame center. Uh, you know, and, and then he had maybe the greatest defense of all time. So, he, he was in a great, great position. Uh, Fran Tarkenton, yeah, I mean, I, I, I a lot of admiration for him uh, as a kid growing up, too. I used to love watching him play. Uh, he did not win a Super Bowl, interestingly enough, uh, which, you know, do you penalize a guy for that? Uh, I don't think you really can as much as you can maybe give a guy more props because he did win the Super Bowl. And then we're going to move to the wide receivers. And I swear, of all the categories, there's one thing that this Rice at three, you can't debate. Hudson, I didn't see, but I've heard rumors. You know, everyone says how rumors. You hear how great he is. And then Randy Moss at 38. But at 56, it's the one, when I saw the name, Julio Jones, I'm like, am I missing? Was he a player in the 50s or 40s? I'm like, Julio Jones at 56? I'm in just shock because considering who you left off, even in the top 100, no Calvin Johnson, no Larry Fitzgerald, no Art Monk, no uh, T.O. or Michael Irvin or Marvin Harrison. And, And I just don't, I mean, I think Antonio Brown is better than Julio Jones. I was shocked by 56 for Julio Jones. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. And um, the way we got to that was uh, 
my co-author Mike Sandel came up with uh, a way of measuring wide receivers based on their value, their their statistical value during the eras they played. Because one of the most difficult things is, is to compare receivers throughout the era, right? Because things have changed so much in the passing game in the NFL. And Julio, if you look, he really uh, dominated his era, obviously still playing, uh, in a way that, that not a lot of receivers had. I mean, he was uh, first in the league in receiving twice. He was second three times, third once. Um, you know, that's that's pretty impressive. He's And he played in an era with, you know, a lot of a lot of receivers that you could talk about for this book or for the Hall of Fame. So um, that's that's how he got on that list. I understand your argument, though. I probably if, if I could do it again, I'd probably have him a little lower. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at debates. Like I again, I I watched both. This is this is someone you can't. It's hard to argue Don Hudson. I didn't watch him play a game, but I've seen Julio Jones. He's my fantasy team many years. So you watch him play, and you watch Antonio Brown play, and then to me, in my mind, it's as crazy as Antonio Brown. Forget about everything else or off the field. But the fact is, I thought Antonio Brown was a better wide receiver and was more impactful. So, but you know, with the numbers and with everything like that. So that's what I was just surprised, at, especially where he was ranked and everything on that aspect. And then um, to move to the to the uh, tight ends, you know, you have Gronkowski at forty. Seven. Is there a thought that maybe that might be considering he's viewed as so great and dominant, and they won the super, the championships, and everything? Maybe forty-seven might be a little too low for Gronkowski. Well, um, I mean, I'm comfortable with him there. I wouldn't move him up any higher. You know, I, I think uh, the tight end debate was interesting. You know, again, because you go back in time and you look at some of the, the old-time tight ends that weren't getting the kinds of opportunities in the passing game that Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey would get. And, you know, in their eras, you know, guys like John Mackey and Mike Ditka uh, were, were every bit as important to their teams. Um, you know, we've got Gronkowski way ahead of Tony Gonzalez too, who, I mean, you talk about a hell of a weapon as a, as a receiver, you know, that there weren't many better than him. Uh, both for the Chiefs and Falcons, so you know I think I think we're okay with I'm, I'm okay with what we have. Grabbed. And then the last point is the running backs. I mean Brown at two, and then Walter Payton at eight, Sanders at twenty three, and the all time rushing leader Emmett Smith at twenty nine. I think Cowboy fans are at this point ready to say, "Wait a second, no Troy Oak Bankman. You have Smith behind Payton and Sanders." Even though I think most people might think that's that's correct, but you, because you did have him ahead of Dickerson, Falk, and Gale Sayers and OJ Simpson. But uh, I, it, the running backs, because the position is sort of now it's running back by committee, it's hard to imagine a running back in today's day actually going to you know break into the top one hundred. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you know, you talk about even Hall of Fame. It's going to, I think, in the future, it's going to be, you're going to have fewer and fewer running backs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, it's a good question. How many running backs playing today you think end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? But I think, you know, Emmett, as great as he was and as for as productive as he was for as long a period of time as he was, I don't think there's many people that would have taken him ahead of Barry Sanders or Walter Payton. 
And what I can I just want to just for a second just jump back to the quarterbacks in terms of the the Super Bowls and you look at moments in time and I've always talked about this on the show is that the Super Bowl between the Steelers and the Packers when Ben Rotzenberger could have had his third title and Aaron Rodgers won his first it's almost that that one snapshot in time is of a game whereas Aaron would not be so ranked highly if he had no Super Bowls and maybe Ben would have cracked this top 100 if he had that three Super Bowls I don't know you didn't give you didn't put Troy in with three so maybe you don't put Ben in with three either well that's that, that's a good point well and you know you could go back to the Super Bowl, the Steelers Super Bowl against Seattle too, and say, what if they lost that one? Because that one was that one was kind of nipping top two. So you know that's that's the game, right? That so many games are decided by one play or you know sometimes one call, and uh, you know I, I think uh, it's all part of defining greatness. So we've been talking to Dan Pompey of The Athletic, The Football 100. It's an amazing book. It just came out. It's to be a great Christmas gift to give to somebody. You don't have to sit there and read it, the whole book and 100 players, but it's something to go look at different players and different stories. I love the stories about Joe Montana, the, about John Candy. There's just so many cute little stories in this in this book. Um, since your book has been released and the, the list has been released, what have you heard in terms of what has been the biggest pushback? Is there anything besides the Julio Jones, which is mine? Is there any other big pushbacks that you've heard from people? I would say the biggest is where's Larry Fitzgerald. I've heard I've heard that a number of times, and I get it. You know, I, I think if I could do it again, I'd probably put him on the list. Just don't ask me who I who I take off, right? Because again, that's that's the hardest part. But uh, he, uh, you know, he the thing about Fitzgerald is he played for a, a few years with with Kurt Warner, who's obviously a Hall of Fame quarterback. But other than that. He played with a bunch of guys who, you know, really were not even good quarterbacks as a rule. So um, I think, uh, you know, what he did was was pretty special. He was uh, consistently productive and dominant and, you know, some of the best hands you ever saw. Uh, physical guy took a beating. Uh, he, he was everything. So, and you know what the fun thing is that you left a lot of people off this list that are doing television commentary. So you're going to get pushback, but that's all, that's great because it's just discussion of your book. I mean, you don't, this is what's so much fun about these lists is that, yeah, right. There is no right or wrong answer. So, but it is funny. You hear Troy and then Larry does his show and all these people and it's not, they're not going to be making the points, but their, their coworkers are going to be the ones saying, Hey, why did they not put you on the hundred and stuff like that? So that's a good thing. But Dan, thank you so much for coming on and, and best of luck with this book. I think it's, it's a really it's a really fun book to read and and talk about forever because there is, of course, no right or wrong answer. Okay, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you.